after producing the children of God, all the children of God need the enjoyment of Christ. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." Life Study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's life study of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is one eight 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 Life Study one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Last week, Witness Lee spoke from John chapter one concerning the Word who was God coming as life and light to bring forth the children of God. Today, Witness Lee continues the life study of the Gospel of John with chapter one, verses fourteen through eighteen, opening up the Lord's becoming flesh and tabernacling among man, full of grace and reality. And now, here's Witness Lee with today's word from John chapter one. The message we have covered tells us that Christ, as the Word, came as life and light for the purpose to produce many children. I must ask you to keep this clear point within you deeply. John chapter one, first of all, tells us that Christ as the Word, which was God Himself, came as life to us, and as light shining with us for the purpose to produce, to bring forth many children of God. That God may have the enlargement, that God may have a corporate expression. This is revealed in the first thirteen verses of chapter one. Now we have the second section of chapter one that is composed with verses fourteen through eighteen. In this section, it unfolds to us that the very Christ, who was the Word, and who came as life and light to produce many children of God for God's enlargement and for God's expression, now He was incarnated. In the flesh, for what? For us to enjoy him. The first section of chapter one tells us Christ, as the word came to produce the children of God. After producing the children of God, all the children of God need the enjoyment of Christ. 
how Christ could be enjoyed by us by being incarnate. Christ was the Word, yet even He Himself as the Word was mysterious. But He became flesh. He became incarnate. You see, now in the flesh, He became so real to us. He was intangible. He was invisible. He was not touchable. He was not seen. But by becoming flesh, he became so solid, so real, seen, visible, touchable, tangible. Here, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Before his incarnation, God was altogether too mysterious, too intangible, too invisible. But by his incarnation, <laughs> to become the flesh and to tabernacle among men, he became very tangible. And he became so touchable. People could not only see him, but also touch him. And here, the writer says, we all have beheld his glory. We beheld him. And in his epistle, John told us, they touched him. Not only he is now visible, but also, I say again, tangible. Just being tangible still is not good for us to enjoy him. But here it says, when he became flesh, he was full of what? Listen to this. He was full of not doctrines, not gifts. He was full of grace and reality. He became tangible. He became visible. He became touchable, full of grace and reality. When Jesus was in the flesh with the disciples, I tell you, he was so tangible. Every disciple saw him. And everyone touched him. And he was right in their midst. He was with them. And they all saw him. And they all touched him. And they all not only touched him, enjoyed him. If you check with Peter, if you check with Mary, why they loved Jesus that much, why they liked to be in his presence, they would say, we cannot tell you why, but we can tell you as long as we stay with him. There is a kind of enjoyment. No word can utter it. 
But we all can testify just to sit in his presence for half an hour. My, oh, the sinness. Oh, the enjoyment. Oh, the reality. We don't know how to explain. We don't know how to define. But we do know we have enjoyed something. What was that? I tell you, that was full of grace and reality. You have to know. He declares God. By what way? By the way that he affords himself to us for our enjoyment. He didn't come to Peter and John and James and Mary and Martha and all the early disciples. Oh, my little children, let me tell you, you know, I am the Son of God and I became flesh to declare God to you. You all have to know God. Look at my face and you have to know me. When you know me, you know God the Father. I tell you, if he declared God in this way, all the disciples will, would go back. <laughs> Peter would say, goodbye, I will go to Galilee and do my fishing. <laughs> Mother would say, goodbye, Jesus, I would go home to take care of my home affairs. Christ became flesh to declare God not in that teaching way, but in a way full of grace and reality. He didn't say, little children, I come to declare God to you. You have to see God in me. Learn the lesson. <laughs> he didn't declare God in this way. He declared God in what way? In the way of enjoyment. Amen. He just presented himself as grace and reality. My! Peter would say, I would never go back fishing. I will all the time stay with this man. I don't know who is this man. Whether he's the son of God, or he's the father, or he's the word, or he's the creator. I don't know. But I do know, my, to stay with him just for half an hour, you cannot stay away from him. My, he's so sweet. I tell you, this is the way that the son of God, as Jesus in the flesh, declared God. Not declare God to his disciples by teaching, but by what? By uh, affording them such a sweet enjoyment. Just a short look by him at certain people. That short look would catch people. Oh, his presence means a lot of enjoyment. And so many early disciples all got charmed by his presence. His presence was really charming. And that was his way. 
to declare God. God is not a God of teaching. God is not a God of doctrine. God is not a God of regulations, laws, gifts, and so forth. God is a God of enjoyment. God is grace to us. God is reality to us. God is the full enjoyment to us. And this Jesus, as the Son of God, is the very embodiment of all the enjoyment of God. When he stays with you, I tell you, you just enjoy God. You just taste God so sweet, so dear, so precious. And eventually, you get the reality. We don't have the human word to explain this. Even today, the more the same, you know? The more the same. We just stay with the Lord for half an hour. And call on him. And say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Oh, you are so sweet. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so sweet. I love you. And stay with him just for half an hour. We all know the story. My, the sweetness, the comfort, am I right? And the smoothness, and the watering, and the rest. And the strengthening. Am I right? My. Not only so. We have the reality. People would check me too. What kind of reality do you have? I have the reality. I don't know how to tell you. But I do have the reality. And the reality is the reality. Uh, Before this half an hour. I was empty. But now I am full. I have the reality. I am satisfied. I am filled up to the brain. Am I right? This is the way for the Son of God to declare God to human beings. In what way? In the way of enjoyment. It's wonderful. Now, one thing more. The Father's only begotten Son declared God By the word, life, light, grace, and reality. The word, listen, is God expressed. Life is God imparted. Light is God shining. Grace is God enjoyed. And reality is God realized, apprehended. I like this definition. God is fully declared in this sense through these five things. How could we know God? How could God be declared to us through these five things? What five things? The word, the life, the light, and the grace and the reality. Now, We have to close this message. To declare God means to express God. And to explain and to define God. Christ declared God. Christ expressed God. Christ explained God. Christ defined God in this way. In what way? In the way by the word. Life, light, grace, 
and react. That was Witness Lee speaking from John chapter 1. If you would like a copy of today's Life Study message, please call toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Now with us in the studio is Ron Kangas, who has been an editor at Living Stream Ministry for over 20 years. Ron, it is good to see you. Thank you. It's an enjoyment for me to fellowship concerning the matters of the divine life especially as the divine life is revealed in the Gospel of John. Ron, Witness Lee speaks repeatedly of the Son of God declaring God. Please explain what it means for Christ to declare God. The matter of declaring God is actually the central subject of the message that Brother Lee has given today. The word declare is taken from verse 18. It's not used arbitrarily. The verse says that no one has ever seen God, but the only begotten Son, he has declared him. So this word declare is quite crucial, and it signifies God in himself is is hidden, he is unknown, he dwells in unapproachable light, but in his heart is the desire to manifest himself and to make himself known to humankind. And this he does in the Son, who is his expression. So the Son in his person, as well as in his speaking and in his living, is the very declaration of God in that he expresses God, he explains God, and he, by his very life and person, expounds to us what God is in his uh, inner being. This he can do because he himself is God and he is in the bosom of the Father. He knows the Father's being and can manifest the Father in a pure way. In five crucial aspects, according to the first chapter of John, that God in Christ the Son is declared as the Word, as life, as light, as grace, and as reality. And to put this succinctly, as Brother Lee does, the Word is God-expressed. Life is God-imparted to us. Light is God-shining. Grace is God as our enjoyment. And reality is God realized by us in our experience. And actually, these five things, the word, the life, the light, the grace, and the reality, are all God himself in Christ. So when we contact the Lord in our spirit and enjoy him in these five ways, the Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, declares explains, expresses, defines God to us for our enjoyment. What does it mean to say, as Witness Lee does, that the children of God need the enjoyment of Christ? When I heard this expression, I, it really caught my attention. Really, three things here stood out in this short sentence. The children of God, that's one, need 
is the second, and the enjoyment of Christ is the third. As children of God, we have actually been born of God through the Spirit of God. So we have a life relationship of God, and we begin the Christian life as babes. Peter says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. So what do children need? They don't mainly need a lot of doctrine, a lot of heavy theology to begin with. They need the life supply in the way of enjoyment for their growth, for their nourishment. So what the children of God need, viewed from the angle of life, which is the perspective of the Gospel of John, is the enjoyment of the Lord. This is a need. And personally, I feel this is a burden in the Lord himself that his children today would realize what we need. We need to enjoy Christ as our life supply. So God has come in Christ to be grace and reality to us in the way of enjoyment that we will be drawn to him and open to him and receive him as our life supply so that, on the one hand, we may grow in him, on the other hand, that we may know him. So this, at least in part, is what it means to say that as children of God, we have a need, and that need is for Christ as our enjoyment. What does Witnessly mean when he says that God is a God of enjoyment? I would look at this both from the angle of what it means and from the angle of what it does not mean. In the Gospel of John, God is unfolded not primarily as a God of power or as a God of legality with strict requirements or as a God of doctrine or as a God of formality or ritual, but he's a God of enjoyment, which means that he himself is full of the elements of enjoyment. God himself is our joy. You have a verse in Isaiah 12, it says, With joy we will draw water out of the well of salvation. So God really is a most enjoyable person. And in Christ, he has embodied himself as all of the factors of our enjoyment. And God's desire is that we would know him and experience him through the way of enjoying him in Christ. So in the Gospel of John in particular, God unfolds himself as a God full of grace for the enjoyment of his children. The common definition of grace is that grace is unmerited favor. Witness Lee seems to have a different view of grace. Please comment. This requires some careful consideration. I'll do my best in a brief way. We certainly don't find fault with the usual definition. Grace surely is unmerited favor that we were sinners, enemies to God, alienated from God. We were under the righteous judgment of God. We were dead in trespasses and sins. 
but God is rich in mercy and he has graced us with salvation through Christ. Surely that's a favor, and it's altogether unmerited. We don't have the right to anything. We can't earn the right to God in any way. So we affirm, we appreciate this definition. However, the problem with common definitions is that they may limit our understanding of what the Bible reveals concerning a particular matter. So grace is unmerited favor, but it's a lot more. When we speak of grace as unmerited favor, it's something apart from God. God bestows a matter, God grants something. But John's understanding, which of course is the basis for Brother Lee's exposition in this message, is that grace is not only something God does, and grace is not only something God gives, but grace is something God is. Grace is God himself in the way of enjoyment. If we could draw on Paul's experience, uh, we may get a little help. In 2 Corinthians, he tells us that he had this thorn in the flesh and he prayed three times for it to be taken away. Eventually, he got an answer from the Lord. And the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. I find it hard to believe that Paul would be comforted by the traditional definition of grace. My unmerited favor is sufficient for you. Paul had a piercing thorn tormenting him all the time. He needed something soothing, supplying, encouraging, comforting, enriching, which is really God himself. So in another portion in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, in light of his experience, could testify, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he goes on to say that he labored more abundantly than others, yet not I, but the grace of God. When we compare this to his word in Galatians 2.20, not I, but Christ, we see that Grace is not only God's favor. Grace is God himself in Christ, living in us, being whatever we need in the way of enjoyment. So we would begin, as so many fellow believers begin, with the understanding of grace as unmerited favor. But we don't want to limit our understanding of the rich revelation of grace to this traditional view, but be open to receive an impression from the spirit of truth through the word of truth that grace, in its highest definition, is God in Christ to be our all-inclusive, all-sufficient enjoyment in our Christian life, day by day, in the midst of our actual and practical situations. Thank you, Ron. We appreciate your fellowship today. If you would like a free copy of today's Life Study message and a gift copy of the Stream magazine, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or write us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, 
Anaheim, California, 92814, or visit us at our website, www.lsm.org. That's www.lsm.org. In addition, books by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee can be obtained through your local Christian bookstore. Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thank you for listening. Thank you.